RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. It's Tuesday, which means another Tech Tuesday. Stephen Sykes in Christchurch joins me again. Nice to hear from you again, Stephen. Are you ready for EVs again? I think we're ready for EVs again. We've got, um, as anticipated, an absolute swagger of uh, feedback, um, roughly 20. An avalanche, actually. Well, an av- well, it feels like an avalanche, I suppose. Um, 20 Tsunami. or so. Yeah, um, 20 or so um, items of feedback. Um, so I thought, well, um, we'll go through all of that today. Okay, um, all right. And- yeah. yeah, I remember some of them because I – um, obviously, you know, as we were doing it, uh, they started to come in. But uh, the one I do remember is, aren't EVs heavier, therefore they're responsible for more potholes? <laughs> That's the one I can remember out of all of them. Well, a, a I don't know why of, I remember that one. I just do. Well, I, I suppose um, summary per se, uh, most people did make comments around weights and the reason that um, – I brought up the uh, the examples of the different vehicles that I did quote weights for was to point out that there's a wide variety of vehicles out there, all of differing weights. And some people say, well, why don't you compare like for like, you know, Unison Leaf being a hatch compared to something else of a, you know, similar purpose vehicle. Well, um, sure. And yes, uh, I think the example they said was like a Honda Civic. Well, uh, which Honda Civic, because um, there's like 10 models for any given year. And if you go back in history, um, the Honda Civic's pretty much almost doubled in weight. Yeah, they, they were tiny. Excuse me. Yeah. They were tiny when they first came out, I remember. And now we've added things like air conditioning, um, ABS braking, and a bunch of other things, and now they're heavier. Well, um, in the end, who cares what the damn things weigh? Because they're under a certain weight, and the roads should be able to accommodate up to a reasonable weight anyway. So, who really gives a damn? Well, the the issue of weight actually, um, when you start looking into it, you can go down quite an interesting rabbit hole. Um, one person who who wrote in um, said that uh, you can see where a lot of the wear on the road is because that's where um, trucks are changing gear. Uh, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I read that out, actually. I remember yeah, it now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've I've witnessed myself um, at bus stops um, where potholes are formed because of where the, um, where the buses, you know, they pull in left, and then as they pull out right, instead of um, driving forward and then turning with the wheel, turn on the spot so they're putting yeah. uh, a, a twisting load on the road. Yeah. And you can um, – I came across um, <laughs> a uh, article um, by the American Trucking Associations because there had been um, various people, particularly lawyers and, and others, that were blaming trucks um, about the road damage, comparing a – a single tractor trailer does the same amount of road damage as 9,600 passengers of vehicles. Oh, come on. And then they go in to say why this is false, and it goes on and on and on and on and on, and it seems that people have been simply cherry-picking um, information based on this 1960s report, which never 
made any um, claims along the lines of what um, is being used today to say that it does equivalent damage to 9,600 passenger vehicles. And I imagine like a a road train truck is on the road almost 24-7. Well, yeah, they travel. It's not like, you know, you're off to the supermarket, you know, once a day or or three times a week in in your Honda Civic. You know, a light as a feather. When you're driving 50 tons of truck around 24-7, yeah, of course it's going to have more impact on the roads. And if you don't like it, don't use trucks. Don't buy stuff. Well, Use-ing. nothing arrives. <laughs> yeah, nothing arrives, and you'll have to use rail. That's the only right? catch with that. Yeah. Um, and the more you look into it, yes, there's differing opinions upon uh, weight vehicles uh, or, or the me- vehicles of weight. Um, it so to say that um, EVs are um, causing all the potholes just seems to be um, clutching at straws a little bit, cherry-picking um, data to support a claim. And if you look at the um, uh, that Telegraph article that um, I mentioned last time, uh, referred to the CPC, which is um, the Centre for Policy Studies, which is basically a think tank, and they produced a 68-page document called The Future of Driving, and nowhere in that do they talk about potholes. You can search the PDF. Potholes does not feature in the document. No, well, they assume that roads are, are constructed to a certain standard, and it's clear that, um, well, they've spent, uh, we're about to spend $150 million to um, get cars out of the golden mile of Wellington, which is hardly golden anymore because I've already half ru- ruined it and hardly anyone's really fronting up compared to a historical to shop in that area. Um, they're not spending that fixing bloody potholes, are they? And don't get me started about the $500 million spent on rat tests, which would have cleaned up a few road issues, probably replaced a few bridges, probably built a motorway. There you go. Could have got a few people uh, living um, who are living on the streets, off the streets. Maybe more than a few. Yeah. You know, could have made 500 people a millionaire. Anyway, yeah. just saying. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. you can whinge about vehicles making. That's the price of having roads and having transportation. But if you're not going to maintain it or or you're so fixated and possessed by your cycling world as a political struggle, then you know, that's where you're going to get potholes. Anyway, that's enough of that uh, rant. Yeah. Um, A few people asked about um, um, electromagnetic uh, radiation in in vehicles. Um, Actually, somebody also asked about um, uh, the safety of uh, Bluetooth earbuds. So all of that collectively comes onto a future topic that I have in mind, all about electromagnetic radiation, which will be a juicy one. So the short, um, quick answer to those questions around concerns about electromagnetic radiation um, and are you being radiated, you're being radiated in any car, no matter if it's being what it's being run by. If you don't okay, because it. that's you, you've got radio frequencies everywhere. But what about sitting on atop a huge battery? Well, it's it's um, battery per se doesn't give off really radiation as far as I know, but in in an ice vehicle, um, the electrical system in in, in, in ice vehicles gives off um, well, it's dirty electricity in a sense, and um, ig- um, ignition systems um, 
are not um, shielded. So you're in the vehicle, you're getting you're getting hammered. But we'll talk about that a bit more. I don't want to be difficult, but time. it comes down to what frequencies are modulating. And the very high frequencies, which are the digital frequencies, can there is evidence that they can cause issues for tissues and fine structures in the body, just saying. Yes. Yeah. But we'll talk about that in another episode. In another episode. There'll be yes. a lot of feedback for that one too, I can tell you. Oh, okay, yeah, where, sure. where, where do we go next on, on the EV feedback loop? Okay, so uh, somebody uh, said that, uh, hi, Paul, with EVs, the battery apparently doesn't last very well at all. Um, well, my my LEAF um, has done very nearly 126,000 kilometres, so... Um, it's is uh as they say it's not the age it's the mileage so um and that battery's got plenty of life left in it so um i guess that's a relative term how how long something lasts or doesn't last um they go on to say and to replace it costs more than the new car for a new battery um there have been instances where the media have tried to um uh make uh, a showcase of this where I recall a lady had an issue with her battery, went back to Nissan, who then charged or wanted to charge um, an exorbitant amount of money. Um, unfortunately, if she had done her homework, she could have found out that it would have been a whole lot cheaper to have just um, got another second-hand battery out of another vehicle. Oh, really? So she didn't do her research, and they, the, uh, the dealership were being opportunistic. I think they were. I, I think that um, the dealership were were just um, they didn't do the right thing, um, and then so the media tried to make a um, an example out of it. Um, so yeah. I would have said that was more like um, more of an outlier than um, uh, something that commonly happens. Yeah, um, I can see how that could uh, come about, and of course, it makes a great story and, a, and sort of like a sugar hit of news. Um, I'm wondering. You know, that perception about battery life, that's probably formed on the traditional lead-acid batteries, probably, that impression, wouldn't it be? Because they did max out on usefulness. I've had a, quite a few batteries go bung in cars over the years. Yeah, I mean, temperature's got a lot to um, got to account for, and also how good the um, battery management system is. Um, Nissan Leafs aren't known to have a very good one. Um, so they can be susceptible. Their range can be affected by um, temperature to a big degree, whereas um, things like the Hyundai Kona um, with a smaller battery or similar size battery can achieve much better range because it has a much better um, battery management system in it. Oh, okay. Is that a digital sort of management system, is it? Yeah, it's or just it's, uh, regulating current and 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 stuff like that, and and temperature. Okay, right. So, like, there was a, an issue um, at first with the thirty kilowatt leafs. Um, that was to do with um, temperature, and a software upgrade fixed it. Oh, that's handy. Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, so, uh, and that's what something that they can download into the car, presumably, can they? Yeah, I mean, it's basically a microcontroller uh, um, looking after the battery, and if you just change its software. There you go. 
Okay. There you go. Um, so th- this uh, this person who wrote it also continues to say that France has stacks upon stacks of EV junkyards. There's also those freak fires that seem to start more often with EVs, being a bus or two catching a light. Wonder if are EVs actually another greenwash? I had wanted to talk about um, the French example last time, but um, whenever I do Tech Tuesday in my head, I manage to have two opposing views in um, in my head simultaneously. That is cognitive dissonance. No, no, for me, it's like I don't have enough to talk about. Oh. Um, and I'm not going to have enough time to say everything I want. So sometimes I make in my in my head, that's what I'm thinking. Um, but I wanted to actually address that example, so I'm, I'm grateful that this person wrote in to bring it up because um, that uh, graveyard is not because of a technology failure. The batteries did not fail at all. Um, that was part of uh, Autolib. Probably sounds better if you pronounce it in French. Autolib. It could be that, yeah. Um, they were a car sharing service. Oh, and right. yeah. They started in 2011 until 2018, and they were they were told they had to become profitable by 2018. And what happened with them? There were a, a few different things. Um, part of the part of it is competing with the likes of Uber, um, and the company just didn't end up lasting. So it was a business failure, not a technology failure. Okay, and they had a whole fleet of cars that had nothing to do and they had to park them somewhere. Pretty much. And and then on social media, a lot of things got tossed around. Um, one of them was like, um, all these cars have the same issue. The battery storage cells have given out and need to be replaced. These green fairy tail electric cars are all still sitting in vacant lots while their batteries drain toxins into the ground. Still think we need to go green? So a representative of um, told France Info that the cars that were in the bone in the boneyard, as it was called, yep. did have their batteries removed. And the cars were sold to two companies, Auto Puzz and Artist Production who resold these cars throughout France at a rate of 50 per month. Um, so out of the 4,000 cars, more than two and a half of them ended up being redistributed as of May 2021. And when they were stashed in that boneyard, they had um, actually taken their batteries out. Okay. So, yeah, again, just a, a bit of a hyped up, uh, well, they call it beat up, media beat up. Yeah. Anti-green uh, media beta. Yep. And yes, um, some buses have caught um caught fire before. Um again, that's uh clearly a big problem, um, but it's not a massive problem because it's not happening all the time. So Well that's gonna, a relief. <laughs> yeah, well definitely. So um it kind of feels like a, a scenario whereby you have an outlier, um, and then you make it out to represent this is this is normal. So yeah. um, th- there was even an example like sudden deaths. Yeah, um, there was an example of um, uh, on a ferry where I, th- I don't know if it was a truck or whatever vehicle, um, but its lithium battery caught on fire. And then um, I'm not sure if they banned electric vehicles on that ferry or 
widespread further again. Um, but what caused that was not actually the vehicle itself. It was an extension cord that someone had used um, to plug into the ferry's power supply to charge the vehicle. Like a ropey cord. Yeah, something that was substandard, and that caused that caused the fire. So um, if they'd used it somewhere else, then maybe um, it could have happened elsewhere. But it, it kind of reminds me of, um, I can't yeah, remember what year this came out, but the Samsung Galaxy Note 7 had a bad battery in it. That's right. Yeah, it could catch fire, couldn't it? Yeah, and every time you go on the aircraft um, for ages, as part of a health and safety briefing, they would say, well, if you've got one of these phones, please give it to us. And even long after that model had been superseded and wasn't being sold anymore, they'd still tell you to do it. We see if we took the same attitude about vehicles catching fire um, as we do to that phone, we could we, we could have said, well, gee, that model um, of phone catches fire. Let's not use that model of phone. It's clearly got an issue. Um, that was the right thing to do if we take um, – cars which evs which are you know still maturing then you could go well let's apply the cancel culture to all phones yeah just because one model has a problem yeah yeah therefore they must all be well, that's like what they that. do to people that's what they do to people <laughs> yeah although there have been some serious air crashes resulting from out of control lithium battery fires on board one particular one i remember uh, reading about was a um um, what's the uh, competitor to um, to FedEx? It'll come to me in just a moment. Uh, but D- uh, DHL, not DHL. It's the other big company. They're in um, in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh gosh, it'll come to me. UPS, um, oh. and and they had a lithium fire on board a seven four seven freighter out of Dubai, and it literally melted the plane mm-hmm. in very quick time. And they're very careful about um, taking that cargo. That's why airlines are really careful about finding out if you've got anything suspect there. That is fair enough, but it, it's hardly happening every day. Yeah, um, but w- but the times that it does, people like to make examples of it and go, well, this is typical of an EV. Well, it's not typical of an EV. Yeah, okay. All right, so we're sort of in de- debunking mode at the moment, aren't we? We're in okay. debunking mode. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm happy to have these conversations. Um, to we need to balance stuff out and have these conversations rather than just say that because the technology isn't perfect and no technology really is. No, not at all. Um, then you know we need to put these ideas to light. Um, somebody else said that um, diesel trucks pl- play not play pay road user charges to maintain the roads, but electric cars are not. This is true for the time being. Um, I can't remember when she said it, and this was before I owned an EV. Um, Megan Woods said that um, by the time the New Zealand electric fleet vehicle gets to a certain percentage point or a particular date happens, then road user charges will apply. Of course, course, it'll have to. Otherwise, where's the revenue coming from? Exactly. And that was part of um, the future of driving report that I referred to earlier on. That was basically over 68 pages saying that they need to do the equivalent of a road user charges mechanism. And it'll come. Um, I don't think any electric vehicle owner is um, in dreamland thinking it never will. You know what? I, I, I think also when that kicks in, same should apply to cyclists. 
Yeah. Why not? They use the roads. Outside our place, they've taken a whole lane of for cars, for cycles, even though they're about a, a quarter or a fifth of the width. So, you know, they'll end up having to pay. They won't like that, will they? They won't like that. Well, I think uh, part of the reason for doing that is because they're trying to make it hard for people to drive cars at all, no matter what it's powered by. Yeah, and in which case, again, revenue could be an issue. So I say charge the cyclists. Yep. Um, somebody else said, ask this guy how much exhaust emissions have been reduced in ICE vehicles. Well, ICE vehicles have been around for over a century, so you would hope that they would have naturally evolved to have less exhaust emissions. They have had time to do that. And sometimes those things have been imposed by regulatory bodies such as the EPA and the EU. Um, you know, back in the, in the 70s, um, American muscle cars, you know, had massive 6.6 litre engines. And then the EPA came along and said, well, you've got to meet these particular targets. And then in the next generation of vehicles, um, they had um, all the smog equipment on them. Yeah, catalytic converters. I remember driving around in a few cars in the States with those converters in them. In fact, people used to steal them. Well, they still do because um, because of the materials that are in it are worth money. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, of course. That, that's that's still a very big we, thing. We never did that here, though. I don't I don't know. No, I don't think we did. But, and the other thing they stuck on vehicles were um, charcoal canisters. So the um, fuel vapour from the fuel tank would go into a charcoal canister and that would absorb the um, fuel vapour. And then when the engine got started and it warmed up, then a valve would open up and the fuel um, vapour would then go into the engine and be burned. And I recall studying this in a 82 Trans Am manual and then in a Toyota that was made some decades later. And to my surprise, the technology hadn't evolved. Oh, okay, that sounded promising. It was like, wow, I would have thought there would be some improvements, but not really. It is possible, though, um, though maybe not so much now because the development won't be there, but for the in ICE, I call them ICE engines, that um, that it, they could go to, to pretty close to, well, it'll never be zero, but range in close to it with with technological development and then the gap between ev and ice narrows down in that situation but i don't think that's going to happen now no because i think manufacturers are, are, are um are putting all their development work into um evs pretty much and hydrogen well i'm that's been around since the 1990s. I remember seeing um, on Beyond 2000 when it was on telly um, somewhere in Europe, they had a BMW running on liquid hydrogen and the byproduct was water. So when you went and filled it with hydrogen, one hose would would give you liquid nitrogen the other one would take the water out. Yeah, you'd drink it, <laughs> probably. But, what, but that, that kind of makes sense because it's the original, um, you know, it's number one on the um, – on the periodic table, isn't it? It's the first thing that was ever around hydrogen. Though well, I believe it's difficult to create, isn't it? It's very energy intensive to create. I'm not sure, but I mean, yeah, you're right. Hydrogen is the most abundant element in the universe. Yeah, it's sort of like uh, element one point version one point zero. Okay. Anyway, we're being a bit sidetracked. What what uh, other 
feedback have have you had? Someone wrote in saying the carbon footprint from my 1949 V8 Ford truck is smaller than an EV because EVs don't last 70 years. I read that one out. I remember that one. Yeah, well, EVs haven't really been commercially produced for 70 years, so it's hard to make such a comparison. And studies have been produced where if you took a vehicle, say, of that age, for example, and then you replace its use with um, an electric vehicle over about three or four years, the cost of making that car and then using that car will have um, paid for itself. Okay. I kind of see the point that that um, texter or emailer was making, but... Oh, absolutely. I mean, my car's, uh, my, my ICE vehicle was made in 1989 and it still looks brand new because I look after it. <laughs> Classic. All right. Uh, what uh, else? Somebody said, uh, sorry, your ve- electric vehicle expert is wrong. Jeremy Clarkson said the electric supercar Richard crashed burned for days. They couldn't put the fire out. That is why ships won't freight use batteries to countries for recycling. Pound for pound, hybrids and electric vehicles weigh more than a petrol or diesel equivalent. I bought a non-hybrid Lexus because the fuel saving didn't justify the extra 20k uh, cost. Um, I'm not sure what I said to... Oh, firstly, thank you for putting expert in double quotes because I don't like being called an expert. I've never claimed yeah. to be an expert and I really don't like the term period. Yeah, same. We don't like experts. Yeah. Um, so I'm not quite sure what I would have said that would have elicited the response re- that would ref- um, reference that car, that, um, that supercar. Um, it was the, oh, I started with R. What was the name of that car that Richard Hammond Christian, he seems to have a habit of doing things. Like Is that this. the one that nearly killed him? Uh, no, that was the dragster. You might be thinking of the dragster when you're doing like over 200 mile an hour, but this yeah. was this okay. was an electric supercar. Okay. Uh, that he he missed a corner and went over an embankment, rolled rolled um, for about 100 meters, created um, okay. potholes in the dirt. Um, potholes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, actually, they called them craters because they. Um, but he walked out with with a buggered knee, and um, that was about it. Well, he's lucky. He, he but the was. thing caught fire, though, did it? Is that what happened? Yeah, and I mean, we will eventually stop using um, lithium in batteries because um, in Norway there's been a massive uh, deposit of uh, phosphate which um, I think is estimated to be around 70 billion tonnes, which um, should, they should say that it will last um, 50 years and we'll be able to use that for creating batteries, uh, lithium iron phosphate batteries um, and for other things. So we'll, with the shortcomings that we have with lithium, we'll move on and do something else like we've always done. The third most abundant element in the universe. Yeah. Uh, now, is that phosphate, is that bird guano, like Nauru? I don't know. Nauru? Well, you know, that's uh, Nauru uh, is where all the, um, you know, the phosphate came from, I think. Nauru, isn't it? Yeah, the island in the Pacific. Ah, it was, okay. it was just, you know, from millions of years of bird guano being deposited. Right. I think it made them viable for a long time. I'm just wondering if that deposit you're talking about, where was it? Scandinavia somewhere? Norway. Norway yeah. is is essentially bird droppings. Could have been a really big bird. 
Um, I, I've got a like w- with the comment around um, the fuel savings didn't justify the twenty k cost. Um, I have a friend who lives in Timaru and does a round trip commute to Geraldine, uh, so that's eighty k's round trip, um, and mm-hmm. that vehicle paid for itself in um, in three years, including the insurance of it. So. Um, depends what vehicle you buy. In the saving that was made, if if you'd had an ICE vehicle, is that is that what you're talking about? Running compared, an ICE vehicle saved money compared by having an EV compared to if he had been doing that trip with an ICE vehicle. Yeah. So the yeah. cost of okay. having bought the car paid for itself. Um, in, the, in three that, years. In That's three not, years. Not very and, long. No, and other people have made you know comments. Um, that I read in forums where people have, you know, saved like $28,000 a year in, um, in fuel. And then they've gone and used that savings to then upgrade the vehicle to something else. 28 grand in fuel. That's a lot of money, isn't it? It's a lot of driving, isn't it? That's a lot of driving. I mean, how much would you, well, I would spend about $60 a week in fuel. Right. So So the, the more you drive, the faster you'll, you know, make a saving. Yeah. Yeah, but the more you spend, too. Yeah. Um, someone else wrote, Tech Tuesday has been enlightening on EVs. I have a question. I have read that the carbon emissions to manufacture an EV, including what they are made out of, is about 70% greater than petrol equivalents. No idea if that is fact or myth. Do you know if that statement stacks up? It was meant to be around this year or next year. It was estimated that the cost of manufacture or um, carbon footprint to make an ICE vehicle equaled that of an ICE vehicle. Okay. So I'm not too, I, I've not heard of a 70% figure um, before, but um, I do know that it was estimated that that's what would happen, um, and which makes sense because um, when anything new comes out, it's typically more expensive to make in the first place until it gathers some kind of market momentum. And, Scale, yeah. Yep, you get, you get um, scale, and then things get cheaper. Just like when I talked about that laser printer uh, last time, five, yeah. five grand, and now, um, yeah, now a hundred bucks. Um, yeah, boy, you'd, you'd be looking at your old laser printer, thinking, "Gosh, I should have I should have held on a bit, should have waited a bit." Um, it must be cheaper though to make an EV vehicle because I'm thinking the engineering um, work, manufacturing work to make. A sophisticated ice engine is is I mean it's a com it's a complicated bit of engineering, isn't it? It is. I mean, um, I can only imagine um, what could have gone through people's minds back when uh, we stopped using carburetors and went to fuel injection. I mean, yeah. ca- carburetors were so so simple, and yeah. then and then on a modern vehicle, you pop the bonnet and you go, well, "Where do I start?" Yeah. Yeah, not like the old days where you could just pull the uh, bell housing off the old Holden uh, transmission and and change the clutch plate without even jacking it up. <laughs> yeah, because they were lighter then too. Yeah, um, so um, but I, I'm thinking that you know electric motors and those that sort of componentry surely doesn't have the same manufacturing um, um, effort behind it. That, like I say, a, a really high end. Um, internal combustion engine. So it must be cheaper. I would have thought so. Well, that's good. All right. Uh, 
Someone else wrote in to say, Tech Tuesday discussion on EVs was interesting and another point of view to many of us that have taken a sceptical stance to them. Would be great to see RCR have a panel discussion with our Tech Tuesday man and there to debate the pros and cons. That's that's not a bad idea, actually. Jaspreet and Don immediately come to mind. Yes. It is so important to keep both sides in all issues. I think people would really appreciate a session like that. Keep up the good work. We should um, think about that. Well, yeah, if it's considered that there's value, then sure. Uh, what we need to do is get some really um, informed opinion behind it, though, whatever side. I'm not yeah. saying you're not, or Jaspreet or Don aren't, but you'd really want someone or, or, or something involved that, that really has an incredible overview. Mm, yep. Anyway. Um, somebody else wrote, your discussion on EVs this morning completely missed the point. The original mm. reason for developing EVs was to stop global warming, which is not happening, caused by CO2 from ICE vehicles. In simple terms, what we have is a battery which replaces the cheap, easily recycled metal fuel tank. Both are useless unless filled with energy. The amount of energy consumed and CO2 emitted in the mining and manufacture of the raw materials for the battery and the manufacture of the battery far exceeds any gain during the life of the battery. If you could recycle the battery and recover the metals, large amounts of energy are again consumed. If you want to consider EVs, then the overall energy budget and pollution created in battery manufacture and disposal must be evaluated from beginning to end and compared to what a steel fuel tank which it replaces. EVs should be called EEVs, emissions elsewhere vehicles. <laughs> now, now um, I didn't talk about the global warming and CO2 thing because my motivation for having one has got nothing to do with what a, um, a politician might tell me to go and buy one for. To me, an EV is the next step. It's the natural evolution is to what vehicles are powered by in the same way that, you know, electronic fuel injection was the next evolution from using a carburetor, as complicated as it might be. So I wonder if part of people's um, resistance to to entertaining the notion of EVs is because we're all sick to death of politicians telling us what to do. And if a politician says, go and do this, we're naturally going to say, well, no, we're not. Especially when those politicians look like nerdy, nerdy little, you know, types of, who've never lived. Well, I was going to say who have never actually had a, a normal, job. Like, yeah, a nine to five kind of job. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's luxurious for them to virtue signal, and if they're paid well enough, yeah, they won't won't notice it. But I agree with you; it is an evolution of of how we do our transportation. And it won't be it won't be the last word either. There'll be other, you know, developments. I'm sure hydrogen will come into the picture at some point, but there'll be other developments um, along the way that might even leave EVs in the dust, you know, in time. So I agree. We need to embrace the efficiencies of technology because if it's cheaper to operate, well, that's a great incentive, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, and of course, there's, don't forget, there's, um, I think we are used to, and it's normalized that you need to change the engine oil um, periodically, every, you know, depending on the manufacturer, maybe it's 5,000 Ks or something like that. Um, yeah, we do recycle oil these days, but we didn't always used to. The 
oh, um, earliest date I could come across, and maybe there's an older one, was 1977 was Alabama's Project Rose, which stood for Recycled Oil Saves Energy, where engine oil started to get recycled. Now that's normalized. We've had time to go through that and get that process sorted out. But is, did anyone take that into account as well? Because the um, it's said that um, a gallon of motor oil, which is dumped into waterways, has the potential to pollute 3.8 million litres of water. But yeah. I don't, th- I don't think, given that the car has been around for over a century, that we've been recycling oil all this time. No, I, I doubt it very much. So, do, yeah. Uh, and, and we'd only be recycling it to um, preserve the environment because there's no shortage of oil. Yeah. And you, um, EV batteries um, can be recycled here in New Zealand. Um, there's a place in Auckland called eCycle. Um, you can phone them up like I did if you wish and say, do you guys recycle EV batteries? And they'll say, Yes, and in my case, they said, well, how many have you got? Um, maybe it might be better if you just email our manager just to say how many batteries you've got you want to recycle. And I rephrased my question to make it clear that I was talking particularly about the battery packs for EVs, and they're quite clear that they do recycle them. Okay. When you say recycle them, it's not like refurbishing the battery. It's like pulling the uh, separating out the components again and and recycling the components the different metals and things like that is that is that what that that means i'm not sure what that that means that is a good question and i hope that recycling um is not another term for um we ship all our waste to places like china where people who don't wear any um ppe at all um are stripping away fridges and batteries and goodness knows what else that we here in the west throw away um that we get told is recycled, but it's not. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, that applies to everything we buy. Maybe another phone call <laughs> required there to clarify that one. Yeah. Because it would be easy to say. I'm not saying they're saying that, but it'd be easy to say. And then, you know, once you think that that happens, and uh, you know, like like you just pointed out, they could easily just go into a container, leave the um, leave the shores, and you can kind of consider that recycled. Yeah, and then we we carry on with our lives. Yeah, we do. Okay, uh, right. Somebody else getting said, through the list a bit now. Yeah, uh, sort of. Yep. Um, someone else said I enjoyed your insights into EVs last Tuesday. Your plane speaking and drive ignited my interest in switching to an EV. As an aside, I thought this news might uh, this news might amuse some listeners. Some important news for electric car users. I learned today that if you break down an electric car, you can still use the AA. But if you break down in a small electric car, you have to use the AAA. <laughs> That's a reference to batteries. Okay, yeah, 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 triple A, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, great humour. All right, EV humour. Yeah, EV humour. It's a new category of humour. Yes. Um, somebody uh, had issues with my reference to lithium mines. Now, I probably should have um, been a bit cl- clearer about that. There are lithium mines that are big holes in the ground. That's not a classic example of what lithium mines do look like. Um, typically, there are other ways of extracting lithium. But at the same time, I was also mostly referring to um, what is popularly posted around, which is the copper mine in Peru, 
which has the caption, this is where the lithium for your EV battery comes from. So if one is to post pictures around of open cast mines, that could be actually a lithium mine. Make sure it also says um, this is where the lithium for your laptop battery comes from, your phone battery comes from, your electric toothbrush, your electric lawnmower, and everything else that has a battery in it. Yep, fair enough. Yep. Of course. Um, this person also makes a comment that electric motors, unlike uh, most internal combustion engines, apply their full torque rating immediately, which includes a, tr- a huge twisting force on the road surface from a standstill or from slow speed. Yes, but at the same time, there's motor controllers and they have traction control, so most people don't drive around like a lunatic. And who cares anyway? I mean, if you're going to build a road, you have to build it to handle a certain level of physics, which includes torque moments on transmissions and drivetrains, surely. Well, like I said, there was someone who had made the comment that they've noticed where road occurs so where where a ro- appears on the road because it's where trucks change gear. Yeah, so, uh, I don't I don't know about that. I mean, a, a lot of trucks are automatic anyway now. That's true. They are. Yeah. So and, and, and those got are so seamless. many gears in them. And they're seamless. The, the change is seamless. I hear them driving past. Yes. Yeah. You know. But um, out, out of all the feedback. Yep. This one. Well, actually, there's two more. Um, one sent in a uh, a video, a link to a video where um, it appeared to be some kind of investment scheme where you get paid by 1.7 million people charging their EVs. And um, I tried to watch it, but um, I got bored real fast. Okay. Um, it, it, it sort of was one of those videos that did a lot of talking but didn't tell you anything. Um, oh, um, so I'm sorry, I, I tried to watch it, but I was really put off um, by what it was trying to say, but by saying nothing at all. Um, there is one other comment, which I'm leaving to the end on purpose, because I think this one takes the cake. Okay. <laughs> Drum roll. <laughs> Still not very manly to drive a leaf. Oh, yes, I, I remember that one. I read that one out. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm compensating, okay? I've got a five-liter V8. Yeah, well, you're sort of balancing it out. In fact, you're yeah. probably still on the V8 side. You haven't balanced it out at all. But, yeah, I thought – I mean, you could see that as a, a dig or, or just having a good laugh. Yeah. Um, and I guess, in, you know, in, 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 in summary with all of this, this feels like history just all over again. Instead of talking about ice vehicles and cars – if we go back 100 plus years, we could be talking about horses versus cars in the first place when um, people were getting injured and killed by cars all the time when they were new. We could have, yeah. if, if we'd applied this conversation back to horses versus cars, we could have said, well, don't use cars. And like, what do you mean you want me to drive a car that's got a tank of flammable liquid in it? Yeah, I would never you do that. Be, you must be nuts. Yeah. Why would you do that? So it, it, you know, it's it's um, cars versus horses. It's ice vehicles versus EVs. It's VHS videotapes versus Betamax. It's cassette tapes versus Sony's High Track Eight. Yep, yep. Um, people didn't think cell phones would take off. Um, IBM <laughs> didn't think the computer would take who, off. Who, who didn't think cell phones would take off? Well, um, who who is it, that person? 
in an interview by Dave Jagger, who was one of the um, people who did um, some very fundamental work at ARM. ARM is in pretty much every single phone now. They're called advanced risk machines. Um, this takes me back um, a few decades. Um, so he, um, Dave Jagger, um, when asked about, you know, what sort of things did they think that wouldn't succeed and what regrets they might have, they didn't think um, the cell phone would happen because they thought, well, no one's going to go digging up the street to lay cabling to put up cell phone towers. Okay. <laughs> Little did anyway. they know. Little did they know. Yeah. And and I guess the other thing to consider is like, um, who do you think has got the most to use to not to – I'm tripping over my words today. Who's got the most to lose if we all started using EVs and stopped buying petrol and diesel? Well, it's obvious. Yeah, it's the petrol companies, right? Yeah, but it's also the governments who make all the excise on it too. Yeah, but they can find ways around that easily. You know, well, they start doing the road user charges like we were talking about before. Exactly. So you've got to wonder where a lot of the um, propaganda, shall we say, um, originates the lobby, from. The lobby power. The lobby power. Yeah, we've seen that already playing out in, in recent years. Um, you just reminded me of a meme I saw recently, and it was of a horse and cart, uh, like one of those sort of carriages that they used to transport people through London in, you know, yeah. um, a, like a cab carriage, where the guy on a pe penny farthing, I think, um, fallen down and sort of underneath the horse. And the and the um, meme line was, cyclists, annoying motorists. <laughs> For over a hundred years, <laughs> I think I've seen that one. I have seen that one. It was quite yeah, good. And I thought, yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, given all the shortcomings that um, might be perceived with EVs, they will mature because that's what te technology does. I totally agree. Yeah, they will, and people will look back at some point, like they look back on old piston-engined airliners, like uh, there'll be true artifacts of 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 a bygone era. They will be. Yeah. Yet at the time they were high tech. Yeah, yeah, and we'll we'll move away from using lithium ion, and we'll use um, lithium ion phosphate or, or something better. Um, which don't they might just the, figure out how to pull out energy out of the air. Uh, I think Tesla already did that. Well, so that's as, an, as an as a Nikola Tesla. Yeah, oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. What a genius he was! I watched a documentary about him recently. Mm. Wow. All right. Anything more to say? You can't top that last uh, text, though, can you? No, I don't think so. No, I won't even try. Um, so <laughs> next week, um, I've been working on um, a little wee project. Um, next week, we're going to talk about surveillance cameras. And I've been uh, working on some documentation um, to help with um, cataloging them all. With the help of everybody, of course. When you say cataloging, what locations, models, yep. types, what they can do, what? All of what you said. All of the above. Okay. All of what you said. Yep. Yep. Which is pertinent if you know talking about fifteen-minute cities, so we can catalog all where these cameras are, and when you see them all laid out on a map, you go, "Wow, this is massive. This is a problem, and it is a problem." Yeah, the network but of them. Yeah, and so that's why uh, next time we're talking about surveillance cameras. You know what's going to happen if this 15-minute city thing really gets going? Because you've seen it in the UK, I think, in Oxford and maybe another um, couple of areas where they put those bollards up. 
you know, the yes. ones that go up out of the yes. ground. People are vandalizing them. They're super gluing them down. They're doing all that sort of, sort of thing. What will happen is that, that those cameras will be taken out in no time. I think they will. And people will will want to know where they are, and and they they will be uh, technology enemy number one, I'm telling you. Yep, because in my view, if you, you could give up your cell phone, you could give up the internet, but as soon as you walk out your door... You're giving up your privacy. Yep. No way. People aren't going to stand for that. I'm telling you now. All right. Well, that'll be interesting. So, gosh, that uh, time just slipped by real quick, didn't it? I thought it might. Yeah. Good to hear all that feedback. And 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 I was really heartened to see the level of engagement from that. I really was. Yeah, it's a hot topic. Yeah, sure. I didn't realize um, how hot it was. I now know. Yeah. So if we've got no ideas for a show, just do EVs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good to catch up with you again, Stephen. Stephen Sykes, Tech Tuesday. And we look forward to finding out more about those cameras for sure. See you next time. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.